plus minus. Curry, way Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit there. <laughs> Plus minus. Tell Marcus that he asked you know, that question about my defense. Do you hear that, Marcus? Anthony, you know me well, buddy. Y'all have a great night. I think you got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to a long delayed edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. And, uh, you know, with Tim Kawakami's on with me, no Marcus Thompson. We're limping back into the proceedings. Woo, man, we're going, we're going bad personnel. We're going to be personnel on this, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get, we'll get through it. I, I wasn't even sure we were doing, doing a show anymore. Like we've been, we've been gone for so long. People have been asking us to do a show and we say, yeah, you know what? Eh, maybe we'll do it. We'll do it when we get to it. We are doing it now. This is it. Maybe people forgot because the pandemic, uh, you know, jumbled up the schedule. And then last year it was super condensed. But this is a normal NBA offseason. People snooze in, uh, <laughs> from mid-July, basically the end and of summer yet, league. It's starting so fast. Yeah. That's the difference, right? It's like starting in a couple of weeks, which is just absurd. That's a couple of things, right? They, they lengthen out the preseason, which is smart. And also the Warriors are going to Japan. So like they gave them an extra few days to just kind of build in like six days, right? Six days before they go to Japan, something like that. Yeah. So it's three Um, and we can get into that. But generally, you know, the offseason, especially if you win the title mid July through, you know, you get August and then Labor Day hits. Labor Day is kind of an important marker in the NBA. I think people like, you know, enjoy your Labor Day with your family away. And it's kind of like that last uh real gasp of a full off season people come back and then now this is the ramp up and we can get to what they're doing in this ramp up um but what uh, as far as what you were talking about they they go to camp i believe two days before or i should say practice three days before the other nba teams who i believe are having media day on monday the 26th mm-hmm. they're going to practice the 24th 25th they actually have media day from what i'm hearing after two practices no really okay. i was wondering about that yeah and then they fly to japan the 27th wow uh so wow. it is like bam and then they play the 30th and the second which is you know those are the really early preseason games but on the back side it's going to be kind of a, a scramble early on but on the back side once they come back from japan an entire week of no games at home where this is the real true training camp you already seem to have have noticed that and then three pre- home preseason games and then their first three games of the regular season are all at home so they're actually home like almost all of august which i think because they're going to japan and you know are doing that early on i think the league kind of gave them a cushion afterwards which is different than china was five years ago is that a little different than that I think, china right? was i don't think they had like the three home games to start the season although maybe they did i mean that was such a scramble I remember you were time. tired like the entire season because of china so i remember well, like no- slater was like you were like, on forget me on do you remember, like that was a steve <laughs> kerr talking point for a while remember yep, that yep. like the china it it, it <laughs> threw us off i mean it does and that was that up. was durant's first year right no yeah that was durant's first year no, no second year that second was second yeah i'm trying mixing up these years but uh yeah it, that was it, the it, athletics it, first season. athletics first year that's even more importantly and kevin and i kevin and the athletic did go hand in hand that first season there's no question about that uh any anything that you've noticed uh anything for to look forward to you did your piece with shams is kind of how they're filling out the back end of their roster very warriors like to kind of leave two open spots any sense about Iguodala? I'm almost thinking like 
if they don't hear from him, he's thinking about coming back. I, I do. My sense is that there is a chance that Iguodala comes back. I don't know that he'd be in training camp. He's not going to Japan or anything like that. But like by the end of training camp, I think there is a possibility that we see Iguodala. That's my opinion. Well, reading behind the scenes and between the lines, to me, it's pretty clear. Like the t- the people that do want him back, right? You know, the Steph Curry's of the world, the Steve Kerr's of the world. Like conversations are obviously being had. I think they gave Iguodala the summer to, you know, relax, like, cause they were all relaxing. And yes, now it, it's, it's kind of lead up to camp. I expect conversations in the week, weeks ahead. I mean, this is pretty common and particularly in football, right? Veterans who haven't decided yet. Um, they, they, a lot of times won't decide until after those, that tough, you know, yes. training camp practices yes. and the yes. wait. And you, I mean, you know how the Warriors operate. Andre Iguodala says, look, I don't want, I do not want to do training camp practices. Like they'll be like, okay, that's fine. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and I think he's just, he probably wants to ramp. I would just guess ramp his body up and see how it feels. Right. How is it responding? I, Cause I think more than anything, he's has to decide like, does he want to put his body through this again? Yep. And he had a tough time last year. Right. I mean, there's no question about that um was healthy what about a third of the time i, I don't remember and, yeah. and said not even a third of playoffs um and i think he likes the role as the sage he's like the assistant coach but he also maybe doesn't want to be just thought of as udonis haslam right he just doesn't want to be that guy there's a, there's a margin there where it's okay to be sort of that guy but you don't want to be only that guy and like you know five years of just being the guy who's in a uniform but is basically a coach but there's value too. Like again, Steve Kerr knows there's value, and you know Draymond Green knows there's value, and Steph Curry knows. Maybe Jonathan Kaminga knows that there's value. That, it, uh, that might be more important than anybody for yes. him to be around. For. Yes, exactly. Like there's no. I mean, that's what Kerr was telling me in playoffs. Like the guy who did the discipline for Kaminga when he was late to just a lifting session. Right, it wasn't even practice. It was a lifting session. Andre popped his head in the coaching office, said, "Kaminga's late. Don't worry about it. I'll handle it." And, you know, these little, these Stephen A. Smith stuff, whatever, it's the internet and, you know, Kaminga isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. And then guess who responds? What's the Warriors response? It's Andre Iguodala. Like that, that again, I, you know, if there's a little spidey sense I've got, is like he still feel, feels part of this team. It's actually good for his podcast if he's with the team, right? I mean, that's good for the podcast. So I'm thinking there is a chance. Again, I don't know what the timetable is, and I don't know if the Warriors would ever say, hey. They, they're, they're completely not rushing him. And, I mean, that is – I remember early in the summer when they were like, you know, you're redoing the roster in uh, mid-July, early July. Like, you typically, you know, ideally want an answer if you're the Warriors, and you would hit them up, and they're like, nah, hopefully by camp we know. And it's like, <laughs> really? Okay. Like – I mean, I think we all both understand why you cannot rush Andre Iguodala. Yeah. Right yeah. when you start to rush him uh, is when you get the answer you don't want. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so I think they're fine waiting on it. I, and we can get to to some of the alternatives if he decides uh, he is retiring. But the other thing with Kaminga, now you know we're talking about it. Kaminga, ideally, beyond just like the off court stuff and like yeah, being you know a professional, like Kaminga in his you know, I guess an ideal path for him is a little bit like an Andre Iguodala career, right? You know, like a, Iguodala was an 18-ish point per game score. He he came to embrace the glue stuff uh, in the game, the defense, individual defense. Like Kaminga has those tools, like defensive tools. And I think so much what's so good about having Iguodala around for Kaminga is like Iguodala pumping into his brain that th- that's a very good and valuable and lucrative 
you know, way to go in the NBA. And he would get paid if, if he decides, you know what I'm going to be really good at? Be a wing defender. <laughs> uh, and they clearly are trying to speak into existence, right? I mean, that's yeah. how Kerr started his playing time is he just put him out there on some really good wing offensive player and said, you know, you're great at this, you know, go do it. And sometimes it really worked and sometimes he didn't. And clearly the messier part of his game is on offense. He's really talented, but it's a messier part. No question. Uh, but yeah, Iguodala would be that where they really want. Yeah. I think we've said it, but let's just flatly say it like where the Warriors really, really, really value having Andre Iguodala on this roster is for Jonathan Kaminga. It, it would be really important to have that guy parked next to him in his ear, barking at him when something screws up and praising him because Andre will praise him when, when things go well. Wiseman too, though, right? I mean, that's another guy that, you know, could hear a, a sage veteran who can speak not as Steph or Draymond, you know, as someone do the side. And when he's really good at pulling these guys aside and just like, this is what it takes. You guys want to have this kind of career. This is what it takes. They've got other guys who could do that, but nobody like Andre. So that's why the door is open. So I think it, it's kind of compelling to Andre for maybe for one more year. Again, I'm not saying I know one way or the other, I would say at best 40%. But that's more than I would have said at the end of last year. I, I, I just kind of feel like a little tingling where he might be tempted to do this again. Nobody knows the value better than the people internally. And I, they, like to me, actions speak louder than words. Like the fact that they're like, yeah, we want him back. Yeah, we'll hold a roster spot. Yeah, we'll wait as long as he wants. Like tells you how much they believe he impacts them. And there's nobody that knows that better than the people you know, inside. You know, Steph Curry really wants to win a title again. Steve Kerr really wants to win a title again. They clearly believe that they have a better chance of doing that if Andre Iguodala, just the person and the voice, is around. They missed him uh, when he was gone. Like they really yeah. missed him when he was gone, and they don't want him. They don't want him gone again. And at some point, he will be gone from this situation, but it, it might not be right now. Again, as you fit playing time, as he fit like, oh my God, we're going to throw him out there because like he, they did a little bit right this year. They were playing him. In a pretty interesting role when he was healthy, he just wasn't healthy. Enough he actually was had a pretty good year and yeah, his like yeah. very snippets of playing. He was like, oh, you remember opening night? He like had a dunk and played yeah. well in Staples, and it was like, oh, he still got it. Wow, this is a good sign. <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted can't, can't, they cannot count on that anymore. I mean, no, pretty, no, no, those I've, minutes got to go to Moody, you got to go to Kaminga, Vincenzo, whoever, you know, Michael Green, whoever else. But he's really good to still have on this roster. Yeah, uh, and you know he's. Remember, he was in Miami. He's seeing the the Udonis Haslam path, which, by the way, is entering it. I think he's entering his 20th season. But some, I, keep, I, I think I saw a stat like he hasn't scored a playoff point since 2013. I keep waiting for him to retire. I've been, I think I've been waiting for three years. So, because Steph would be the longest tenured player with a single team in, 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 in the NBA. And it's still, I can't ever say it because he's always like, four years behind whatever he's like five years behind Haslam. The moment Haslam retires, Steph will be the longest tenured player on one team. Maybe. And I think it's not even close with whoever would be behind him. It's like, those two guys are these incredible outliers, but has like clay is, right behind him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's clay and Draymond are right in there. Uh, like top five. Uh, someone was saying like, yeah, the, the, the amount of players who've won multiple championships on a team that drafted them is like, you know, a small, small, tiny sliver of the NBA history. And the Warriors have three of them, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. It is amazing that they have those three represent this massive part of this tiny, tiny sliver of NBA history. Uh, And, you know, we've written about it. It's pretty large. 
kind of moving on to, I guess, like the next layer of the, you know, Andre Iguodala story and, and the story that Mia Shams wrote today is um, all the veterans they're bringing in uh, for, you know, it's become a tradition really with the Warriors. This like September lead up to camp, they play a lot of five on five. You know, a lot of the guys are filtering in. It's I don't want to say unsupervised, but certainly like non-mandatory. It's it's voluntary. But, you know, guys come in and guys not even allowed to be mandatory. But um, and, la- you know, remember, it was Avery Bradley and Langston sure. Galloway last year. It was a bunch of those guys. And, you know, even Quinn Cook, I can remember Jordan Bell was around. They GP2. do this too. GP2 yeah, was part yeah. of that. Yeah. GP, uh, yeah, that he, I remember he was recovering from the hernia, wanting to get in those scrimmages. Okay, okay. Um, but they, you know, it's obviously just good for their main guys. But also, I think the takeaway from a little bit of what we wrote is so let's say, you know, Iguodala holds the 14th spot if he wants it. Well, I think we all believe like 15 is unlikely to be used, at least to start the season for tax purposes. But if Iguodala isn't, you know, decides not to come back, to me, what they're doing you know what who they're bringing in we're talking kenneth reed ronde hollis jefferson alfred payton these established veterans to me that is a signal that if if iguodala isn't around i don't think the main core would like that then to go to another project right a young guy a mac mcclung even unproven guy i think their preference would probably be we want iguodala to be the veteran but if it's not him give it to an NBA veteran and, and, and you're, we're seeing a group of them and people can go online to see the full list, but I just named some of the more highlight names. Ben McLemore was on there. That would, I I feel like they would have the upper hand, whoever comes out of that group to get the 14 spot. If there's no even. Yeah. I I always throw it out there. They might go 14 and not nobody would all. And he tells them in January, he wants to come back and that's 15 right there. Right. That there could be something like that. Um, so Andrew Bogut came yeah, back in March. Exactly, exactly. Like there's the chance that you have that spot, and or, or you give a non guaranteed deal to Hollis Jefferson or whatever, and and you know it just like there's ways they could still wait on for for, for Iguodala. They they definitely have ways, but absolutely. I mean, I don't. Here's the question though. Like I I think they do need another point guard at some point because Steph's not going to play 80 games, and behind him is Poole, who isn't a classic point guard. And do you want him to have that when he also, if on the days that Curry's sitting, he's going to have to score too. I think they could, I've always said this, they've had third point cards sometimes, sometimes you're, they don't. You're about to make an Alfred Payton case, aren't well, you? Well, no, imagine Matt McClellan, Alfred Payton, I mean, unless Rollins is somebody that they can play, and we have no idea about that. Um, do you uh, do you think they need to have, okay, it's one of these spots has got to be for a third point guard because Steph's going to be sitting and Draymond can act as a third point guard. He's going to be sitting even more than Steph. So who's Andre had been, has done that in the past. He's may or may not be on the roster. Do they need to just say, you know what? It's great to have wings. We love wings. Wings are fantastic, but man, that third point guard might be pretty important. Yeah. Um, I think there's an increased trust level in Jordan pool and, and, you know, maybe Steve Kerr letting go of the reins a little bit and just saying, Look, I don't want Jordan Poole to necessarily be the backup point guard, but he's earned it enough. Like, I think we all know, look, if Steph Curry misses five straight games, Jordan Poole is playing 38 minutes and like he's starting at the one. And I mean, we saw it in the playoffs, right? He started at point for basically the whole Denver series, uh, even though he's not a traditional point. We know how they run their offense. I mean, everyone's a point and nobody's a point at the same time, essentially. Um, do they need one? I thought they. I definitely know the head coach was thinking that there was maybe a need for a more established, uh, you know, like you're mentioning third type guard uh, who can 
settle the offense, the Iguodala, the Livingston type role, and Ryan Rollins does not fit that profile. But front office clearly believes in Ryan Rollins. And, you know, he's supposed to be back and cleared for, for camp as long as the next few weeks goes well. It sounds like they're going to ramp up his activity. Uh, and I thought they might use one of the two-way slots, like yeah, right, like Mac McClung yeah. could fit very well instead of like a Lester Quiones. Uh, but they committed to Lester Quiones for now. That's a very flexible spot, right? If Mac McClung has a great camp, Quiones doesn't. You could... Like, I mean, we all know they've used two ways in the past. It's like Quinn Cook for so long uh, that one season was a backup guard and can play. A Quindary Weatherspoon, I think, is very firm in the two-way spot, even could potentially rise to a 15-man roster spot eventually. Um, so I, I don't disagree with your premise that they might need it, but I also do not get any sense from them that they believe yeah. like that they need it. I, get, I mean, no no question. You just look at the types that they that, and you could say like, hey, Kenneth Fury would not be a terrible person for Kerr to use in some situation, especially if Draymond's out and you know they, they, they've lost some bigs and you can just throw, plop them in there and go run an NBA game. I, I get that. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I just was watching the, the Summer League and thinking, man, they you know, I don't know Mike McClung is uh, anybody's idea of a uh, NBA point guard who's going to play a lot of minutes, should play a lot of minutes, should play a lot of minutes on a good team, a championship team. But I can just see moments when, you know, they could in January, February road trip, everybody's tired, just felt like in the summer league, they were looking for somebody who could do something like just initiate, make a play for someone else, going to hurt you in other ways. Uh, but they've had point guards like that. We know they've had point guards like that. Uh, and... If, uh, Livingston even said on broadcast, like, hey, we could use some more ball handling. He said that. And he's an executive. And they could use somebody who does some of those things. So we'll see. I'm not saying definitely Matt McClung. And again, he could, they could do it in a lot of different ways. But it felt like the summer, there was a purpose to them grabbing McClung, putting him out there, looking at him, and then saying, okay, yeah, let's, let's come to camp and see what you can do. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you don't worry about his energy level if you put him in the game, right? I mean, no. he's going to go Tasmanian devil around You might there. worry about everyone else going, hey, will you pass us the ball at some point? Yeah. So that's the whole other thing. James Wiseman doing another pick and roll where he has his hands <laughs> up going down the lane and Mac McClung is going for the spinning reverse. Joe Lincoln, um, this is not about James Wiseman. This is about Mac McClung. This is a McClung game. Don't, don't you worry about that, James Wiseman. Yeah. But, but, you know, and I agree, look, there's going to be a ton of games, particularly back-to-backs on road trips where, you know, there's going to be eight available players. And and considering that the belief right now from just because of tax reasonings is they're going to keep an empty roster spot, those those two two-ways do matter. That the, the back oh, yeah. end of the roster will be player seven and eight in a rotation in like seven regular season games probably. So And wins and losses do not matter very much for them, as we know. Uh, they were well, their third seed last year, and they could win 53. What they were at 50, yeah, 53. I mean, it got, it got dicey at the end, you know, you win 51, you're like the five, and then it's yeah. a little tougher, you know. You're not, I, I think, I think they want they, home yeah. court in the first round, right? They I mean, do want home the, court, yeah, I agree, but and they could live without it also. We've seen them, I mean, they they, had, they were really good on the road again in the playoffs, uh, and could be really good again every year that they have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson on the roster, so we'll see. Uh, but the back end's interesting. I think, you know, for the Warriors, since we know that they got three guys who are not going to be playing 
I mean, what, what would you put like just for Steph, Clay, and Draymond each? What's what's the number of games that you would look at? I mean, barring major injuries, we'll just take that off the side. Yeah, I'd say sixty-five like would than... be sixty-five would be plenty for each one of them. You almost probably don't play Clay in back-to-backs, um, just particularly just because of the recent history. Um, same with Steph, really. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe a, maybe a few, particularly early, and he's feeling fresh, and you you want to pile up wins. I, I they're not going to going to chase that, uh, you know, establishing the, themselves quite like last year when they went eighteen and two. But think about how much eighteen and two allowed them to yeah. navigate the season with a much more relaxed nature, you know, and all the injuries they had, and it was like, you know, they there were long stretches where they didn't play well, but it was like, eh, they're still four up on this team, they're still three <laughs> up because it was what they did early. So maybe they really go after it early again, uh, and that allows them to, you know, I guess manipulate and limit their main guys. Like you said, sixty five to I think seventy two is probably the max for those guys, right? You at least want to get them ten off. And that's if Clay they don't wants to. Play. I think Clay wants to play, right? I mean, that yeah. might not be the smartest way to to do it, but I think Clay's like, hey, this is my return season. Like, I can feel that. Remember all the times we were saying, Clay's like, this get put it on me, put it on me, and it really wasn't that for him last season. It was probably better that they didn't do it, and sometimes he did, and it looked so good. I think he's going to feel that all season, and I think there's going to be some great Clay games. I think it's going to be some really huge moments for Clay. As there was, you know, sporadically last season, but I think he's going to want to play. He's going to want to be Clay of old and just play. And play. again, he played the most minutes of the Warriors in the playoffs. Like that's yeah. he's going to want to do that again. Which is maybe crazy. not quite like that, but it is amazing that they he played the most minutes out of any. But now, as Steph will point out, that you know, like there were some reasons for that, but uh, that's still like you know they were to the point late in the year. I remember there was a game in Atlanta. This is regular season, and they played him forty minutes. And I remember asking her post game like forty for Clay, and he was like, uh, "Don't feel great about it, but you know, you know that he was kind of back physically. You know, from yeah. an endurance standpoint, he felt to to where he was. I, I mean, we, we all know laterally he isn't what he is, but. Um, it almost might make it easier for him to play more minutes, right? He's not chasing the two guards around, right? Ruggins is doing that. Yeah. Clay's playing the forwards. He's playing like he's playing small power forwards, big, you know, wings. And maybe it's like his key to playing some major minutes in the field. We'll see. It's what he did in the playoffs. Like that's what he did. He was playing those big guys in the playoffs. And he, I don't, was there a time in the playoffs where you thought, man, Clay's dragging? Like I never really thought that. No, uh, well, the only time he felt slow a little bit when Morant was playing early yeah. in the Memphis series, but that yeah. wasn't like oh he's dragging. It was just like wow, John Morant is lightning yes. quick. And well, he can anybody, no longer you put him on that. anybody like that, that's, you're going to have an issue. I just I think they're just adapted and adjusted to it. Uh, and you know, thankfully for them, they've got Wiggins who can jump in and, and take all those. Now they could they could you know Gary Payton the second did too. So obviously, you know, Vincenzo. Yeah, Devin Chen is going to get those minutes. No question. He's going to get you know, Gary also, Payton. This is where the emergence and uh, just the value of Jordan Poole comes in where, you know, if you're going into a back-to-back, you kind of want to be competitive both games. You rest Steph on one side, you rest Clay on the other. He starts at the two guard in one game. He starts yep. at the point in the other. And, like, he has shown, he, you know, Steph missed a month. He was awesome as the one. Clay missed the first however many games of the season. They were, like, the best team in the league, and he was the two guard. So, like, just – and you're going to want plenty of games this season just to kind of keep Jordan Poole happy. And we can get to the extension possibilities yes. with him, yes. but like you're going to want him to have plenty of games where he can just go out there and, you know, score 30. Yes. Uh, so, and he will try. <laughs> we, yes. we know he will try to score 30 and he's going to score 30 in some of those. All right, let's get to the contract stuff. I mean, 
I certainly haven't gotten any indications that Wiggins and Poole are headed towards extensions. Uh, do you think they've talked? Do you think there's, you know, preliminarily, I, I mean, you know, the league, uh, as you know, very much is deadlines, constant discussions, deadlines. but they also spurred by deadlines. You know, they have the same agent, um, which is interesting. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think I think frameworks have kind of been tossed around. But I, at this point, I have no indication that, like, anything is imminent. Um, you know, the Draymond is in – we should throw his name in there. He clearly – you know, if, if the Warriors wanted to bring a lucrative extension to the table, he would be quite interested, as, as me and Marcus have reported. But, um, you know, I went on Nate Duncan's, like, kind of season preview podcast the other day and laid it out. But, you know, the Warriors front office, as you know, is not – motivated to negotiate when their leverage is lower and this team just won the title where all these players understandably are coming you know hey you know i just helped you win a title andrew wiggins oh i was you know this is the best uh my stock has ever been uh jordan pool this is the highest his stock has ever been and draymond of course is like sitting there you know trying to hold on and get one more big deal this is the time they want to come and try to maximize their value and if you're the warriors particularly with pool you have restrictive free agency looming in in the future with wiggins you know he's unrestricted but he clearly likes it with the warriors that's the other thing uh and then draymond you know he has a he has a pretty big player option that you you know you 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 would expect he'd probably pick up they don't have to negotiate now so i just i guess the leverage points to me don't strike uh anything that makes it me believe the Warriors are, are, are operating with the type of urgency needed to get something like this done. The pool one, I think is its own case. And maybe we can talk about that, but as you mentioned, deadlines matter. And, and we're talking October, essentially, uh, you know, Halloween, uh, Halloween. Um, I can hear an argument about why you might just want to lock the pool situation down. If he was willing to take a yeah. decent yeah. deal, it, it, it'd have to be, I, I think the numbers, uh, it's weird to say this, but I don't think the numbers are going to go that far up, you know, even if they wait a year because pools at the top, like he's like, what would he have to do to get more? You know, it, it, he'd have to have a full season doing great stuff. And even then, what's it going to be? 30, you know, 27, well, to me, it, it, like, it comes down to like taking a landscape of the league and like, do you believe there's a suitor out there? The Orlando magic, for example, that are like, you know, you fit our growth pattern. We need a, a guard who can score next to Paulo, like Max, you know, essentially like whatever, yeah. like, you know, they're not getting anybody else. If you're building the Orlando magic or the San Antonio Spurs, I know are another team that like they've restarted. Essentially they traded Deontay Murray. Would they just be like, yeah, Max Jordan pool, you know, he's super efficient. He, we can hand him the ball and that would take his price tag to an uncomfortable range. Yeah, as no we all know. And, um, and you know, the Warriors love their valuing and they, they would have to match it if they want to maintain the value. And then I think it would be immediately like they're going to trade them at some point. Uh, sure. But I, I don't know that it gets out of crazy for them. Possibly. I think they can wait a year and he's, and they, again, a restricted for agent at the end of it. I, I think they would like to know if he's going to start playing some defense uh, a lot before they're going to throw out a $35 million year contract or whatever it would be. And Wiggins, I don't think the Wiggins number is going up. I don't from right. I, I really don't. I think like his number is his number and he's going to be unrestricted. So you could lose him, but I do think he, you know, they're going to play a little bit. Like he really likes it here. You go somewhere else. We're going to sign with the Knicks, right? I mean, is that what you want? You want to go sign with the Wizards? Um, Andrew Wiggins understands how much situations matter. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you want to get, you want the Timberwolves situation again. You, you don't undercut him. You don't like 
kill him, but I, I just don't think his numbers go unless he becomes an MVP player. He, he, I think he's that would be good for them. Thirty-three. Yeah, thirty. He's thirty-three now. I think the top end for him's thirty. You know, yeah. right around there. Uh, and you know, at the end of a five-year contract, he's going to be thirty-two. Like you know, like some people are going to be looking at. It. He's not like he's twenty-five right now. He's twenty-seven. So. I can get, I get them waiting a year. And certainly, you know, because I've Joe Lacob's, you know, words are ringing in my ear. Like they're not looking at having a $500 million payroll. Like they are not doing that. Uh, so when I was castigated for saying that they might, so they're going to draw the line a few places. And one of the places they could wait is just wait, let's just wait a year to see if Kaminga can be that one of those guys, let's well, see yeah. where Wiseman is. Yeah. And they I don't, did. so they don't need to do Wiggins and, and pool right now. I just, I really believe that. Yeah. Because t- time is their friend in this situation where like, again, they, they just aren't at a good negotiation standpoint right here where, you know, if, if, if all these guys were, were fairly rewarded for what just happened, they would be getting huge deals and they would be locking themselves into that tax bill that you're talking about. That's one thing too. Another thing is not only time, do you know more about your players, know more about Wiseman and his future contract situation, but also you know more about where the CBA might be going and what yes. penalties you might still have or not have anymore. Yeah. We're talking the, about exploding media yeah. deals that everyone's pointing to is what's that going to be in two years, right? And, and, I think 25, but you'll yeah. start to feel where the cap's going. And yeah. that is int- and that maybe is the argument of like trying to get pool now locked in and even Wiggins because it's like these contracts that might sound, you know, 30 sounds insane right now. 30 in three yeah. years might be like, yeah. what a deal. You know, that feels like not mid-level <laughs> exception, but you know, we're talking, <laughs> mid-level no. exception. <laughs> but no, it, 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 yeah. and the tax penalties will decrease, right? Because just the number is going to go higher. And so their numbers, again, it's still going to be super high. They've got Steph Draymond and Clay at 100, what is it, 130, and Wiggins at 130 million this year. And it they only keeps going up, especially if you pay Wiggins again. Uh, but yeah, to take a look at it, there is some risk, but if this is as good a situation as they feel like, if it maintains, if they challenge for the championship again, things are good, Steph's good, guys aren't going to want to leave. I mean, they might they might leave, but they're not going to want to. And I know I think that that's play it out, you know, and maybe Kaminga is a star. And, and then you start reshuffling a lot of things. Maybe Wiseman's making steps towards being a star and then that allows you to or, make you know job. again the other thing with Wiseman you know he's making 12.1 next season you know maybe you decide like that's just you know you're not comfortable with that and, yeah. and you know we'll see again I don't know that helps. the owner will feel that way I'll just put it that way but uh, no I yeah. hey look we but we I understand that for sure um the other thing I would like to say on this is like there is no because I know because of what's coming uh, price tag wise there's been some you know, you look and say you might have to lose one of these guys. From what I understand, there's like no intention of losing Jordan Poole. Like no. guy they drafted 28th, no. guy that has just grown, you know, exceptionally over the last few years into what he's become. Um, and as they shift towards the future and, and some of the importance we were even talking about early on in this podcast of what he already means now and will mean in the future, like they're going to try to, everything they can to retain him and the fact that they have restricted control that's the difference between yes. him and, and the Wiggins situation. I, I can't see yeah I can't see him them letting him go even if someone gives him a match even if they don't resign him don't extend him he hits restricted free agency somebody offers him the match like you said Orlando Santa whoever I can't see them letting him go like you know they, they would bite the bullet on that for a little while 
they would probably have to look at some other ways to get out of some money, but I can't imagine the, the value play with him is too strong. And we've seen how much youth in the future matters to them with the way they've drafted, you know, and and, and again, what that would have, what an Orlando max offer sheet to Jordan Poole probably means for the Warriors is an uncomfortable conversation about some of their veterans. You know what I mean? When we're talking about what what Clay Thompson's making. Yes. Um, Yes. But they hope to never go get to those uncomfortable conversations, but that's probably what it would mean because, you know, the intention for them is to have Jordan Poole around for the long haul. No it is. And a guy who can compliment Steph Curry is immensely of value. And a guy who could possibly do some things like Steph into the future, you, you, you lose him. The first thing you'd be doing is, well, how do we get another one? And they got him. So they're not letting him go. Again, they got right? him with the 28th pick. You know, and 28th pick I mean, when, look, egos matter in this league. You know how good they feel about getting him at the 28th pick? You don't let that three, walk. No question. And they got it through a bad year, right? He was bad as a rookie. And they got it through it, and they kept them around. And they remember they they did the th- what the fourth year option when some people were like eh, I'm not so sure about that. Like this guy is very valuable to them. He's young, he's creative, he's a great worker. He's very popular. He was popular in the locker room when he wasn't that great of a player. Now he's a really good player. He's you know extremely popular in that locker room. So yeah, they're they're gonna keep him. It's just gonna they don't have to do it now. You know, I'm sure they'll have talks. And if I'm pool, I don't necessarily need to do it right now. Yeah, that's the thing. If pool comes and says, you know, like I'll take the Anthony Simons for for a hundred. If you're the Warriors, you're like, man, this could be like a great value deal. Yep. Sure. So that is when you say yes, but that, but if you're pool, which is what you're getting to, why would you do that at this yep. point? I, I wouldn't. And uh, it's just, I just see that one as as a play out. Wiggins, I thought there could be some deal just because both sides know it makes sense. Uh, to continue this relationship as long as possible, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, he, he it's unrestricted. I don't think either you and I are going to go, oh, my, oh, Warriors are in some trouble here. I don't think we'd be saying that. We'd be saying, okay, they got to come to a number. This is the best spot for him. Uh, you know, he likes being here. He's smiling and smiling, you know, so much that you, you know, you, you wonder if he could ever leave here. Certainly it's possible, but I, I wouldn't imagine that that's the way this is going to go. He's just, he just likes it here too much. He's, it's been so good to him. And, um, you know, it's the story. Andrew Wiggins resuscitating his career. It's a good story. And you go somewhere else and maybe that story ends a little bit. All right. Um, I, anything else? You know, is it, I, the, we will do training camp previews and season previews over the next few weeks. We'll probably come back and we'll do some sort of podcast next week as we try to crank this thing back up as September arrives. You're covering a Niners game this weekend. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm in NFL's, Chicago covering the Niners. The NFL hasn't kicked off and we're still it's like, un- we're kind of sort of doing a training camp it's preview. unbelievable. It is just, I mean, I was just saying, I, I talked to somebody yesterday and it was like, they're, they're again, this is like the unofficial ramp up is today. It's like the season, NFL season hasn't even started yet. It's unbelievable, but hey, we got to suck it up. You know, this is what going deep into June means. It's like you just feel like you lost a month and two months, whatever we've lost. Uh, and we turn right back into it and things are big. It's like, hey, it's a good thing that people are interested in the Warriors 24-7. They want this podcast to happen more often than it does. That's a good thing. And we will now be regular with this podcast. And we'll see if we can even get Marcus back. Who knows? And, um, you know, there's stuff, there's always stuff out there. The one thing I'm struck, I talked to her a little bit, you know, about his 
kind of new friendship with Kyle Shanahan. I was just talking to Steve. That was a good story. People should read it beforehand. And by the way, there's two people that I knew were going to get along was Kyle Shanahan and Steve Kerr. Like that was, they're different people, but I just knew they're going to get along. The other one though, is like, it's like Steve's taking, he's been in, in France. His daughter got married. He's been, in england like i think he showed a picture of him at uh with liverpool his favorite team like this is his like last vacation year because guess what he's a usa basketball coach he's got the world cup next year and he's got the olympics in two years so although that's in paris it's kind of nice it's still you know he's going to be work. a little grinding the next two off season so he's kind of enjoyed himself in the short time he's had uh and we'll see how refreshed and, and sunny he feels after i bet you he will feel pretty good after after this nice time he's had away a few weeks he's had a few weeks all right uh like you said maybe marcus will be back next week um and we will you know kind of like i guess that we can mark this as, as episode one of the new season <laughs> kind of wow the nfl season hasn't started yet slater oh well what if the <laughs> niners lose in chicago this weekend i might not be able to get you and yeah you might i might be, be i might be otherwise i might be launching my four niners podcast by then. i've been saying i should do a four niners conspiracies podcast and it would do very well 49ers plus minus you, you probably, plus minus. we do it all like who knows like it's all there for me. i could join it and just give you takes like you know i'm not reporting on anything in the league but i got they, they can't they can't do without mike mcdaniel that's the guy that's the hey, guy He's the key. i'm high on the dolphins this year I, i'm not sure i want to put this out publicly some of my thoughts on how good they're gonna be but that offense looking good. Tyreek Hill. Dolphins plus minus, everybody. Dolphins plus minus. All okay. right. We will talk to you next week at some point. Yep. Omaha. Omaha.